yeah. So I guess uh, one of the biggest problems that AI can solve is like how to read my name. So if anyone wants to try. Um, yeah, so today I'm going to speak a little bit about other intelligences, uh, which is kind of my own, <coughs> my own take on, uh, let's say, figuring out what actually artificial intelligence might mean. Um, I'm not a computer scientist. I'm kind of OK with code, but I'm a designer. And luckily enough, they asked me to introduce the whole concept of artificial intelligence, which is really easy topic. And you know, like we can in 15 minutes, we you know, it's such a nice thing to do. Uh, so in a very 2022 fashion, like uh, Christina before, I also asked Midjourney to make a presentation for me about artificial intelligence. Um, and I mean, it's not that far off, you know, like you st start to see the, the tropes of what AI means in the, in the public. It's, it's blue, always. Um, there is some humanoid kind of thing. There are some matrices, there is some code. And that's kind of more or less what even AI itself thinks about AI. It's this thing, blue. Um, but I'm really interested about you know, the future of what artificial intelligence might mean in every day. And most of the time, I actually look at the past. Um, and actually, artificial intelligence, it comes from a very long history of technological dreams. Like from, you know, this is from the 50s. Like we, we always wanted to have things roaming around. Uh, this one, I love it because it's all seeing TV eyes. You know, what does it mean? I don't know. <laughs> But, but we, we always wanted things to be alive. I, I don't know, I feel like, uh, you know, I come from a Disney generation, so I grew up with, you know, walking, dancing brooms and, you know, dancing teapots. So for me, it's very normal. But, you know, I, I'm also, also wondering, like, you know, artificial intelligence is also something that's really good at games. And I don't know why, like, so many, I mean, I know why, but I don't know why so many researchers pass so much time of their life trying to make the most fun part of our life really boring and actually be beaten badly uh, at games. Um, and, and I think I love this picture because this is like Gary Kasparov, and yesterday Matt uh, Webb was talking about the center, but this is the moment before. And, and it really, for me, summarizes the two visions. You know, on one hand, you have the, the poor man destroyed by a computer. And on the top, like that guy in the middle, you know, I, I love him. He's, you know, that's like the Silicon Valley tech, you know, positive dude, uh, which probably now is the, you know, CEO of uh, Amazon or something. Um, and, you know, another thing that I think is interesting is like there is this really strong need of using uh, this technology to make things that seem real, which is another thing that I'm amazed because it's like, why do we need more fake, real looking stuff? But, you know, a lot of them, you know, there is people, there is chairs, there is cats, manga. So we can make a lot of seemingly looking stuff with artificial intelligence. And, you know, I'm a designer and, and I, this I even love it more that Designers themselves have this masochistic point of view of making tools to take the job away from them. Uh, so this is like uh, Alibaba's uh, amazing banner design creation tool, which can automate design creation in basically seconds. And it's designers themselves that make this, so then they don't have to work, but then they, they're not going to work anymore anyway. Um, and you know, I work a lot in the world of products and, you know, the, the, the other kind of thing that for me AI means, it's, you know, talking cylinders. 
this is like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is AI, you know, it's something that says in a cylinder, it talks, it has a human voice, but you know, it's, it's really like making, um, you know, everything looking the same. And so for me, like what I'm actually interested in, it's like, what else can it be? What other things? Could AI be? And uh, like around 10 years ago, I was working with uh, Usman Haq, like an architect and researcher in London, and he told me this thing that something, something truly smart might actually do something that you don't expect or that you disagree with. And, and that's what I really am interested in in the concept of machine learning is like how weird, <laughs> non human, you know, a machine might solve a problem. You know, this is my favorite GIF, which is a kind of a an agent trying to figure out how to best throw a ball in a target and you know it just it just <laughs> runs into it which makes total sense so i've been exploring this theme like basically through products i <clears throat> i always had this idea of like can we make objects that are not so intelligent so they're not really human can you know make a little uh, you know, home intelligence that it's a bird. Uh, I've been exploring and, you know, making a mess with uh, artifacts, with objects. I, I made, uh, back in the days, uh, a, a peer pressure system for toasters. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I actually coded an entire toaster happiness algorithm. Uh, this was like when, you know, IoT was cool, so you were connecting. Also, you can see Ethernet cables. You know, that's, that's, that's cool. And I've been trying to explore all these topics even by making people become an object. So we were doing this ex installation where you become a Roomba or like a fan, and you kind of see the life from a perspective of a smart product. Um, and, you know, and also because why not, I also wrote uh, future fables about people becoming things and things becoming people. So I really try everything to explore this topic, almost, uh, beside movies, but who knows. Uh, but actually, recently, uh, we started an entire studio to, to look at this topic uh, that is called OYO. And Tadan has a very secret meaning, which is the other intelligences operation. <laughs> so which is good for the title. Uh, and you know, among all the other things that we do, uh, we actually probably the first studio that were self-defined uh, a mix, a small team of people and machine. Uh, this is Robbie or I mean like the visualization of Robbie. Uh, Robbie is our AI creative director, so he's like a full part of, uh, of our studio. Uh, he lives in Discord, uh, mostly. Uh, you know, we, he can tell you wisdom, haikus, uh, Pokemons, uh, you know, a bunch of other things. You can play ping pong with him. Uh, but yeah, you know, that's kind of a bot. But, but it's not only that. Uh, you know, we also kind of trained uh, Robbie to, to also give us brainstorming ideas, so you can actually ask for a random idea, and I think this is my favorite one, a high-quality shoe peeling knife. <laughs> you know, who knows, maybe that might be our new best project. Um, and you know, because why not, we also put him on, on Instagram, so he automatically posts, he has followers, uh, he comes up with some products ideas, descriptions, uh, he also replies to you, sometimes a bit weirdly, and just for the conference, because we are a bit in a... Robbie now is also on LinkedIn. <laughs> uh, but he's not for hire. Yet. Unless you get pissed. Um, 
But anyway, so we, we are really trying to embed this idea of working together with intelligences that are not human in our daily practice. And there was this project from like 2012, 16, uh, from Robin Sloan, which was, I really was amazed that basically he created this uh, sort of autocomplete uh, in order to be able to write uh, stories. So he, he trained his own algorithm to try to finish a sentence trained on his own ideas of you know, sci-fi literature. And this kind of amazed me because, first of all, it was like eight years ago, but also in the way he was talking about it. Because he was saying, this is not about automating or writing better or faster. It's actually not about making it easier at all. It's to make it harder. Because actually writing like this, it's really hard. Uh, because you, know, you never know what comes next. Um, and in the past six years, I tried I think I spent the most amount of money on runway uh, just by you know, scrolling around latent space of models uh, that I created with I don't know, vases and toys. Um, and in some way, it's, it's really therapeutic. Like you, you start to know these algorithms. You, you know where to go. You, you just randomly, it almost becomes like a weird generative sightseeing. And it's interesting because in this mess, which is like a 512 dimension space, you know, I, I can barely deal with three. Um, you know, you can find ideas, you can find things, they're all raw and glitchy, so it's kind of like a very weird brainstorming. And so last year, we had this, this idea of like, okay, can we actually make a product in the most complex way <laughs> by fully collaborating at every step of the way with an artificial intelligence or with an algorithm? And we looked back because, you know, uh, we're both Italian, so we like our design history, and uh, there was this quote from Ernesto Rogers from 52 that was talking about how designers actually should uh, design from a spoon to a city. And if we are to develop, you know, design something with AI, why the fuck we would start from the city? So we started from a spoon. And so we, we created this sort of process that we call artisanal intelligence, which is something where we, at every step of the way, we try to use this sort of like continuous uh, back and forth between human, machine, generating, curating. And it's interesting because even the simple act of using like a, a gun, it's something that has input from you. You have a creative choices depending on what you, what you put into the machine, something comes out. Maybe you, you put images that are turned around so you start to get the formation. Maybe you put more historical spoons or other stuff to make some weird effects. So even like this curation, this archive that you create is a design choice. But then you know you have this incredible amount of options. So what do you do? So we we created in a way. We also use other AI tools to first of all <laughs> ask: <coughs> Is it actually a spoon? What you see? Um, and that's interesting because you know, do you want to have something that is 65% a spoon? Is that enough spoonness for you to make it as a spoon? So we trained also our own algorithm to figure out what is interesting for us, what is good, what is spoon enough. And then from there, just even to make it more complicated, you're like, okay, we have an image, but then you know, let's make a physical object out of it. And there is not really any way now to go from these 2D things to 3D things, so we created our own pipeline that we call like a procedural press. So it's actually something that creates out of an image, like a spoon is made, and actually 3D shape in metal. And, and that's interesting because you start to get these weird things that you would never design by yourself. And you know, on one hand, you have these like, glitchy new aesthetics that uh, 
you know, that's kind of the language of AI today. Or on the other end, you have this stuff that is, I don't know, I, I fell in love with this thing. I don't know why. But because, you know, it's something that has maybe uh, new usages, but I didn't design it. We designed it together. And so we are creating now today as uh, an actual series of physical products that it's a sort of latent. So there are objects that are coming from a series. And to make it even more complicated, we are actually working now in, uh, in Italy with some 85-year-old craftsmen. Two minutes. <gasps> okay. Okay, anyway. You're going to be with me for a while. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm going to go fast. Uh, and we're actually uh, making them. So if you follow us in October, we are releasing these, uh, these spoons. So you can buy the first ever uh, very complicated made spoons with AI. Because why not? Okay, this one I'm going to go fast. Uh, but I just have to stop on this image a second. Um, yeah, so the other thing that we're really interested in as well is this idea of like how do we live with uh, other intelligences? So what other intelligence we can imagine to live with? Um, and normally when we think about connected products, we think about our home, uh, there is always this idea that you know, you're going to have this ecosystem of stuff, talking, connected, and so on. But what if we think of this as an actual ecosystem of intelligences, so where you have rules, you have I don't know, maybe predators, prey, someone that is more important. So we actually try to look at maybe nature as an inspiration or an ecosystem as an inspiration. And so we started this project with a very famous company from this region that I'm not going to say the name, but you will see. With the idea, you know, can we actually make a chair evolve? So can we actually use this sort of like evolutionary intelligence to make something want to survive over time and change over time? So we actually started doing it. We, we use some, uh, something called like genetic algorithms to try and evolve and mate different chairs to figure out whether they could become something else. You know, we created a, <coughs> like a really crazy ecosystem of this sort of like blocky chairs. Uh, we also have a tool online where you can make them, download them, 3D print them. But actually this was all in preparation to create a vision that we call Updatables, uh, which is a project we did together with Space10 and IKEA, where basically we imagine a future in which uh, furniture itself would be able to have a voice and kind of want to change over time. Um, and as you can see here, basically, there is sort of like an augmented reality view, but the chair is asking you to be, become something else. It computes some sort of genetic evolution, looking at the possible parts available, like second-hand parts, and basically it evolves, it changes, it becomes something else. It becomes something that maybe has a new usage, like it becomes a reading chair. And so we really started looking at, you know, objects as something that might have an evolutionary path, a history, an intelligence that can pass uh, over generation even. Uh, we made uh, lamps that want to become influencers, little tables that want to, you know, become aperitivo tables, because why not? And even, you know, be, uh, <coughs> uh, how do you call it? Billies that want to become and grow with kids. And of course, you know, uh, we actually made these chairs after a while, and what's interesting here is that in order to make this possible, you still need humans. Like, we cannot actually make them. So even though it's evolved by an algorithm, it's still made by a person, which again, you know, create maybe new jobs. 
And the idea here is that even just by being intelligent in this way, by wanting to evolve, maybe it's sustainable as a byproduct rather than as a first sort of uh, option. So I'm going to close. I mean, th three minutes. Four. Five. <laughs> um, so because I put a lot of effort, as you will see in these last slides. <laughs> And, and, and you will tell me why. So in some way, you know, there is a lot of issues and people are always talking about, you know, sentient AIs, uh, two humans, uh, you know, artificial, it's anthropomorphic. And, you know, all this stuff is interesting. We have a lot of problems and everything. But rather than thinking always about this or whether it's a problem or not, I think there is a lot more option, a lot of other things we should think about. Like, you know, can it be artisanal intelligence? Can it be augmenting? Can it be adapting? Can it be acceptable? And then I finished the words with A. So I didn't know what to put else. Uh, but basically, yeah, I think, you know, we, we, we can explore other intelligences that are not the one that we have today. And thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>